Are you ready for the word? I'm excited. I want to talk to you today. A message entitled, Heaven Invade. And really, I, I believe that this is the time for us as a church to cry out to God and say, Lord, we've had enough of the devil. We've had enough of this pandemic. We've had enough of whatever has come against us right now. And it's time for an invasion of heaven. So I want, I want to speak to you today about what happens when heaven invades. What happens when the kingdom of God invades the affairs of our lives, invades a city, invades a life? What happens when God comes down and does what He does? And I want you to open your Bibles. Let's start right here in Acts chapter 8, Acts of the Apostles chapter 8. It says, Now Saul was consenting to his death, and at that time a great persecution came against the church. A time of, of trial, a, a really difficult time came against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of, of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Let's jump to verse 4. And therefore those who were scattered, they, they didn't backslide. They didn't throw in the towel. They didn't give up. They went everywhere. They seized what the enemy brought against them, and they seized it, and they turned it around for something good. It says that they went everywhere preaching the word, preaching the good news, preaching the gospel. You know, the Bible says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And if we don't preach the gospel, what power is there for salvation? But they went and they preached the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and he preached Christ to them. You know, our message is a person. Our message is not a philosophy, a system of ideas. But our message is a person. And they went and preached Christ to them. If you read verse 12 and then verse 35, it speaks. It says that they, that, was, that's, that was the message. They preached the person of Jesus. The Bible says there is salvation in no other. There are many ways to God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, no one comes to the Father except through me. So they didn't waste time preaching about something else. They said, hey, we're pointing you to the way, and His name is Jesus. Come on, somebody there in your home, just shout and say, Jesus, praise God. And the multitudes with one accord, they hidden the things uh, um, spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. You know, this is not just a message that will kind of tickle our ears and just does something to our intellect. This is a message that has an impact that is visible, that is real, that is tangible. It changes people's lives. And, and God moves in signs, wonders, and miracles. Verse 7, For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many were possessed, and many were paralyzed, and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. The kingdom of God, heaven invaded that city. And you know, one of the expressions of the kingdom of God is joy, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I believe in a world, we live in a world with so much mental disease, so many people suffering with depression, 
so many people said, but you know what? One of the manifestations of the kingdom of God is joy. And you know, the antidote to depression and mental disease, it is the kingdom of God coming in full force. Is heaven invading our lives. Let's continue reading. Verse 9. But, oh, this was a really good story, but, but there was a certain man in that same city called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city, and he astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. For a long time, this city had been under a spell. For a long time, there was this wave of deception that was upon the city of Samaria. But, but, <laughs> I, like the, I like the second but in this story. But when they believed Philip, and, the, and he, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, it's all about Jesus, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed. If you can't beat them, joined them, and he believed, and he was baptized, and he continued with Philip, and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for as yet had fallen upon none of them, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. I love this passage. I just love this passage. I could finish right now, go home, because I, would, I, I could say I've had a good time. I've had church because, just because of reading this passage. Because it shows what happens when the power of God invades a place, invades a life invades a situation. But I want to talk to you today uh, and uh, a, few, a, few, a few other things that I've had, I have in my heart. And um, when I read this passage about Philip going to Samaria, I see more than just a preacher having another evangelistic meeting. You know, I, I see one city, but I see two kingdoms in conflict. I, I see one city, and, and I see two different supernatural powers in collision, I see one city, but I see on one hand an ambassador of the kingdom of God, on the other hand an, an ambassador of the kingdom of darkness. You know, I see, I see like a spiritual showdown. I see an open collision of powers, and, and it's all about the souls of the people of Samaria. I want you to know something. I want you to know that Jesus, Jesus said that there is violence in the kingdom of heaven. And he said, and the violent take it by force. What Jesus said is that beyond this realm where that our eyes can see, that our hands can touch, there is another realm, an invisible realm, and yet a realm that's probably more real than the realm that we are living in. Because this realm, this physical realm, you know, we can, we can touch it, we can see it, but everything in this realm is subject to change, but there is a realm that is eternal. And it's the spiritual realm, and in this other realm, 
There is a cosmic struggle. There is a battle. On one hand, angels of God. On the other hand, agents of darkness. And, and, it's, and they're fighting for control and dominion over the earth, over territories, over cities, um, and over the lives of people. And I want you to see that that's really what I see in this passage. It's, it's an example of the conflict, the collision of these two kingdoms. You know, a lot of what we see in the world today, wars, rumors of wars in different parts of the world, such instability, displacement of refugees, traumatic uh, uh, situations that are going on right now, this pandemic that just has just come upon every country on the face of the planet. You know, I really believe that all these things are clear evidence or a manifestation of what's really happening in the spiritual realm. These are, this is all evidence of a spiritual war. And that's really what's happening. I want you to know, this is probably what you will never get in the newspapers, but this is really the reason of why we are where we are and of what, happening, what is happening right now on this planet. And the enemy has unleashed, he has unleashed an attack against mankind. Right now, we are in the middle of that attack to precipitate millions of people into an eternity without God. I want you to know that that's really what is happening. Right now, this pandemic up to this point, uh, I think something like 3.7 million people have already died in the world. They've already crossed into eternity many of them into an eternity without God. And I want you to know that the enemy, he knows he has little time. He knows that his time is short according to the Bible. And he has unleashed some of his most violent attacks against mankind. You know, the enemy knows he has little time. I'll never forget, I was once preaching in a, in a, in a town in New Zealand, and we had just finished this series of meetings, and it was late, and uh, everyone had already left the church. I remember my wife and, and my kids who were at the back of the church with the pastor in the kitchen having a cup of tea. And I just, I just went back into the auditorium just to pick up my Bible and, and my notebook, and I was getting ready to leave. And suddenly, I hear the, voice, I hear the door of the church open, and, and someone else is coming in. And I thought, well, we're a bit late. The service is over. And there was a woman, and this woman never said a word. She just kept walking the full length of that uh, auditorium towards me. And I said, hello, okay, do you need anything? Is, is, is everything okay? She never said a word. She just kept coming closer and closer. I started feeling very uncomfortable, and she kept coming closer and closer. And suddenly she had almost her nose right against my nose. I was extremely uncomfortable at that point, not knowing what to do. There was nobody else inside the church. There was only the pastor, his wife, and my wife, and the kids. They were at the back having, and this lady said, in a very strange tone of voice, she said, she said these words, it's midnight. I thought, well, not that late. She said, it's midnight, both in the garden of good and in the garden of evil. Oh, I tell you what, I got, I got a bit of a fright. I thought, what? And this woman proceeded to tell me that she had come into that town because she was going to open a New Age healing center right in the plot next to the church. 
I said to that woman, do you know Jesus? When I said, do you know Jesus, she took a few steps backward. And I thought, oh, no, she's going to fight. She's going to fall. And I said, do you need deliverance? <laughs> Suddenly, the woman was really scared. Her eyes were open. And I prayed for that woman. And I led her to Jesus. I said, you need Jesus. And right there, at the, after that service was over, after we had done all the altar calls that we had done and called people for prayer, for salvation, we still had one more person that God said, and this woman gave her life to Jesus. But I'll never forget that moment that she said, it's midnight. Probably some other entity was speaking through her lips. And they said, it's midnight both in the garden of good and the garden of evil. I don't know what that means, but I know one thing. The enemy knows that his time is running out. This time is running out. And I want you to know, praise God, a year later when I came back to that church, that lady had been baptized. She was wonderfully saved. She never opened a sorcery center, new age center, new age, new age healing, whatever. She became a believer in Jesus. Greater is the one in the church than the one in the world. Hallelujah. So we need to understand all of these, but we need also to appropriate four things in this passage that we see about the role of the church in this conflict. And, and there's some wonderful, wonderful things we see. We see, number one, a, a display of the true potential of the church. You know, the true potential of the church. I believe that this is a time where the church can shine its brightest. And I want you to see that right in the middle of that persecution, as they were persecuting, coming against the church, they had already killed one from the church, Stephen, and they were coming against the church. The Bible says they were scattered and they went everywhere, but the Bible doesn't say they were disbanded and they stopped believing in Jesus and they turned their back on Jesus and they got offended, they got disillusioned, or they got cold in their heart, or that they even lost sight of their mission. No, no, they took advantage what the enemy meant for evil, God turned it around with the cooperation of a church, a man that is on fire, and they went, and wherever they went, they just kept on spreading. They just kept on bringing Jesus to whatever city they went. That is the true potential of the church. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere, preaching the word, verse 4 says. <coughs> So this is the potential of the church to be an unstoppable, conquering force. The second thing that we see right here is the true nature of the church. I'm amazed that at a time that was difficult, the true nature of the church was right there in full display. And, and this is the nature of the church. We are, the nature of the church is not reclusive, but it is expansive. And so, you know, wherever they went, they just kept on preaching. Wherever they went, the kingdom of God just kept on expanding. The kingdom of God could not be contained. It could not be suppressed. It could not be limited. The nature of the church is a church that is in expansion, a kingdom that is not stagnant, but is growing from glory to glory. The nature of the church is expansive. Thirdly, what we see right here in full display is the supernatural power that is within the church. This is the church that just a few weeks before this, 
They had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They had been filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and from that moment onwards, you know, signs and wonders and supernatural was just in, was present with the church. And I want you to see that when, when Philip arrived in Samaria, there was already a supernatural power present. There was already a man, a warlock, a sorcerer. And uh, this man, the Bible says, had astonished the people of Samaria with his sorceries, with his magic tricks, with, his, with a display of supernatural power, but of the wrong kind, and he had astonished them for a long time. So this was, when, when Philip arrived in Samaria, he didn't find a, an established church and believers, and he found people that were deeply entrenched in the supernatural, but the wrong kind of supernatural. Occultic power. And these people had no discernment. In actual fact, the people of Samaria, they, had, they have a mixture of beliefs. So we'd probably accept anything as being from God. That's why they said, this man is the great power of God. They had no discernment. You know what? It takes a supernatural church to have discernment of what is darkness. And it takes a supernatural church to dislodge darkness out of people's lives, out of cities, and out of countries. And that's exactly what, what Philip did. Philip went into that place and he dislodged the well-entrenched powers of darkness. He dislodged deception. He dislodged the blindness that was over the, the, the eyes of those people. But I want you to know something. It, 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 takes, <clears throat> it takes supernatural power to dislodge supernatural power. It takes the supernatural power of Jesus to dislodge the supernatural power of the enemy. So one of the things that we have here in full display is uh, that of a supernatural church. That's, how, that's why we believe in prayer in this church. That's why we have so many testimonies of people within this house that have been healed of cancer, that have been healed of terminal diseases, that have been healed of all kinds of things, you know, that have had jobs given to them, that have experienced the favor of God in their lives, that have experienced breakthrough in their marriages, their relationships, that have done well. Why? Because we believe that our God is not just a, it's not a decent God. He's not a God that has divorced himself from us. He's a God who is present, who is alive, and he, who displays his power. Church is a supernatural church. Hallelujah. And I'll never forget one day in Africa, we went to a very, very remote place. Very remote place. A place that in the country of Zambia, the nearest city, hundreds of kilometers away, was the city of Chipata. <laughs> and uh, we had a wonderful crusade in the city of Chipata. Many, many, countless thousands of people came to Christ. And someone from within that city said to us, you know, there are people out there, there are villages very remote where they've never heard about Jesus. I found it hard to believe, but anyway, I said, why don't we go to a place like that? So we, we drove for a long time to get into that place, and, and we finally arrived at the end of a very long day of driving, and we came out in the, in the middle of nowhere. These people had never seen a white man in their whole lives. They had never seen anyone like me. I was a sign and a wonder in that place. These little kids wanted to touch me. Some were, some were crying because 
they had never seen a strange man <laughs> like that. And, uh, and I, we asked the chief of the village, can we preach Jesus? The chief of the village said, who? I said, Jesus. He said, never heard. I said, that's why we came here. <laughs> We've got good news for you. He said, well, just tell us why you came. And so we, we called the people of the village. We, we started preaching about Jesus for the very first time in that place. It is so wonderful to see that whole village listening intently to us. And right at the end, you know, there was a little girl. She was known in the village. She was deaf from birth. She was about 12 years of age. And right before that whole village, suddenly she started listening. Suddenly she started repeating words that we were saying. This little girl was known in the village. She had never, she had never said a word. She had never, she had never heard a sound in her life. And right before that whole village, suddenly this little girl, she can hear, she can speak. She started imitating some of the sounds that we were making. In actual fact, her first words of her mouth were, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> she, it was not mama, daddy. It was, thank you, Jesus. I tell you what, that whole village went wild, went wild. They only went silent the moment I said, now from now on, you don't ever, ever go, have to go back to your witch doctor. From now on, you go to Jesus. And whatever you need, if you need rain on your crops, you ask Jesus. You need food on your table, you ask Jesus. You need a healer in your house, you ask Jesus. And that was the moment they all stopped because they already knew the power of witchcraft. They already knew the power of sorcery. They already knew this other supernatural power. But that day, just like in the day of Samaria, the power of God was in such manifestation that they believed in Jesus and the sorcerer went out of business, praise God. And about one year later, a team went to that place and the whole village, they had now built a church. They were all serving Jesus, loving Jesus. Oh, I tell you what, I love to serve Jesus. Why don't you step from your couch, just give Jesus like a five-second praise session. Just say, thank you, Lord, for your power, for your goodness, for your greatness. Amen. So this passage... You know, it, it reveals a prevailing church. It reveals a prevailing message. And it reveals a prevailing kingdom. I need to remind you today, you don't have to be just part of the statistics and think like everybody else in the world. You belong in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Yes, we still live in this earth. Yes, we still live in this flesh. Yes, we still, we're still here. But I want you to know something. Your citizenship is upward. Your identity is up there. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. You belong in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And it is a prevailing kingdom. Look at verse 12. Verse 12 says, But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. What was Philip doing? Preaching the kingdom, preaching the name of Jesus Christ. Both, both men and women were baptized and Simon himself also believed. He believed. He believed. And he was, and he was when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed at the miracles and signs which were done. That's what happens when heaven invades, when the kingdom comes. 
Now, I want to give you five things to supplement or just kind of help you gather your thoughts around this thought that, um, about heaven coming down. There are five things that clearly happen when heaven comes down. Number one, the devil is driven out. You know, deception is exposed and darkness leaves. And then verse 7 says, For unclean spirits crying out with a, with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed. You know, there's no room. <laughs> there's no room for two. There's no room for Jesus and evil spirits. It's either one or the other. And when Jesus comes, there's only room for Jesus. Greater is the one in us than the one in the world. So the first thing that happens is that the devil is driven out. I'll never forget I was preaching in Christchurch, New Zealand one day. And as I was in the middle of a message, a very, a message about Jesus. A message a little bit like this message about Jesus an anti-devil. <laughs> I hate the devil, and the devil hates me, and that's how I like it. <laughs> but I'm preaching about Jesus, exalting the greatness of Jesus, elevating Jesus to the place that he really, that he really has. And suddenly a woman right at the back of the church stood up. She was not a, a Christian. She was just invited to come, and uh, suddenly she... Um, she stood up and she screamed from the back of that church and said, Preacher, you're saying God is greater than the devil. Prove me. Prove me. And I was surprised. You know, I just looked and there was a, this little tiny lady. She had a, a huge pink mohawk in her head. She had, I remember clearly she had this pink leather jacket. She had studs all over. She had a chain around one of the studs. And uh, she said, Prove me. And, and I didn't know what to say, but I... What came out of me was that, in, I said, in the name of Jesus. When I said, in the name of Jesus, that woman just dropped. And she started moving under the chairs like a snake. And people tried to get hold of this woman. And she started punching them. And, and I'm thinking, well, this is interesting. This was a conservative evangelical church. I'm sure they had never seen anything like that. At least I had been in Africa and I had seen a lot of stuff like that, but these people had never seen anything like that. But I was just, I was just happy that something was happening in that church. And, and this woman came and she, she came pretty close to me and she got up and we prayed for the woman and, and we declared freedom over her. And she was taken to a room and at the end of the service, this woman came back. And her mohawk was now kind of sideways had lost a little bit of the pink color. She still had the studs and the, the things. Anyway, but she looked at me and she, she, with tears in her eyes and she said, Preacher, I am sorry. I am sorry. And she said that she had given now her life to Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? And, and, and I just felt the compassion and the love of God for this woman. And I did something that I don't normally do, but I, I really felt to do this. I said, well, come here. Let me give you a hug. And I give her I give her a hug. And I said, God loves you. God loves you so much. And this woman was just sobbing, just crying her eyes out. I came to know later on, actually someone told me, he said, Pastor Louis, you know, just the fact that she gave you a hug is in itself a miracle. Because something happened when she was little, and she grew up to hate men. And all her life she had this deep hatred of men. But I want you to know something, the fact that she sobbed on your chest, that she gave you a hug, is in itself a miracle. 
I came to know later on that she, this woman was a heroin addict. She was addicted to heroin. She had been involved in, in witchcraft. You know, people sometimes looking for solutions. You know, they look for solutions sometimes in all the wrong places. Sometimes people are looking for peace and looking for purpose in life and looking for something that will solve their problems. I mean, they, they look for it in all the wrong places. And this woman had looked in all the wrong places, but for the first time, she came to Jesus. And about a year later, I received a, I received a recording of her, this woman sharing her testimony in her church. Praise God. God set her free. You know, that's, that's the kingdom of God. When Jesus comes, the devil has to leave. When Jesus comes, depression has to go in the name of Jesus. When Jesus comes, whatever bondage, whatever change, whatever addictions, whatever baggage has to go. And when Jesus grows on inside of us, then there's no place for anything else. So five things happen when heaven invades. Jesus comes, the devil goes. Secondly, healing comes. Oh, I love it. I love That's why in this church we pray for people because I love healing. I love healing. For It says in verse 7, For unclean and clean spirits come out of with a loud voice. Or many were possessed. Verse, and the second part says, And men were paralyzed and lame were healed. Praise God. Thirdly, joy comes. Verse 8 says, there was great joy in that city. Wow. I love joy. I love joy. You know, the, the kingdom of God in Romans 14, 17 is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I love joy. You know, joy comes. There was great joy in that city. There's an old book that I would love you to read. The book is called The Surprising Work of God, and it's written by Jonathan Edwards, who was a revivalist, a great man of God in the 1800s, in 1700s. And this man, he, he once described the place where he went, and in the whole city, there was, there was joy. And this is what he said. I mean, I, I wish I had time to read the whole thing to you, but, but it says, it was a time of joy in families because salvation had been brought to them. Parents rejoiced over their children as if they had been born. Husbands rejoiced over their wives and wives over their husbands. Their joyful surprise had caused their hearts to leap so that they, uh, they, had, uh, so they would often break forth in laughter. Hallelujah. I love that. I love that. When the kingdom of God comes, sadness, depression has to go in Jesus' name. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. First Thessalonians 1, 5 and 6 says, For our gospel didn't come to you in word only, but in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of man we were among you. And he became followers of us and of the Lord Jesus. Having received the word with much affliction, but with joy of the Holy Spirit. Wow, I love that. <laughs> so even in the middle of the afflictions and whatever was going on around them, they had joy of the Holy Spirit. I pray today that God will flood your life with His joy, with His peace, with the contentment that comes from Him. 
You know, another sign of the kingdom is signs, wonders, and miracles. Verse 13, Simon himself also believed and continued with Philip. And he was amazed seeing the signs and the wonders that God was doing. Wow. And lastly, one of the things that happens when, this, when heaven invades is that the Holy Spirit comes. Look at verse 14. Now, when the apostles were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now church, come on. Let's, come on, engage. Hallelujah. Just write hallelujah in the, in the comment section right there. Come on. Let me just say this. Spiritual battles cannot be fought by natural means only. Spiritual battles can only be fought in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, if, if what we are experiencing in the world right now is, is the manifestation of behind-the-scenes spiritual battles, then spiritual battles had to be, have to be addressed spiritually. They had to be addressed in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why the apostles were at Jerusalem. Everybody else was scattered. The apostles, they, they were holding their ground in Jerusalem. It was important that they stayed in Jerusalem. But when they heard that, that uh, a revival broke out in Samaria, they said, hey, we better go. And we better, we better do something that should be imperative in the life of every believer. They, they need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And they came down and they laid hands on them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Spirit, hallelujah, praise God. And, uh, and uh, that's not an optional matter for the believer. It was so important that the apostles left Jerusalem and came down so that with this precise, unique, uh, uh, single focus that they might receive the Holy Spirit, hallelujah. So in conclusion, in conclusion, now today we spoke about the potential of the church. Secondly, the true vocation of the church. Thirdly, how the church is endued with this supernatural power and the church will and can operate in a supernatural dimension because it takes supernatural power to dislodge supernatural power. Number four, how the church is a prevailing force, a preva has a prevailing message and belongs in a prevailing kingdom. You know, let's, let's get all this potential out. This is the time for the church to shine its brightest, to shine the kind of light that will dispel darkness. Let us pray. The Lord spoke so clearly to me, and I want to I I communicate that to you. Let, let us pray for, and as a church, let us pray for an invasion of heaven upon our nation, upon our state, upon our city in the name of Jesus. Let's declare the Lordship of Jesus. Let's declare that the name of Jesus is greater than the name of COVID-19 or Delta, whatever other names there may be. We need to declare and stand in the power of the prevailing anointing of the Holy Spirit and declare Jesus is Lord 
in Melbourne. Jesus is Lord in, in this great soft land of the Holy Spirit in Australia. And I know there are people watching from other parts of the world. Declare, pray, declare the Lordship of Jesus over your nation. The weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Would you join me, church, right now? Would you please stand from your couch? Would you lift your hands with me right now? And let's, our prayer this morning is, is heaven come. Let's pray right now. Father in heaven, we worship your holy name. Lord, you taught us to pray that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, Father, we pray, just like you've taught us to pray, that your kingdom would come. And, Father, we pray for an invasion of the kingdom of God, an invasion of the supernatural power of this kingdom, an invasion of the nature of this kingdom upon our lives, upon our nation, upon our city in the name of Jesus. And we declare, Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come. Let joy come into people's lives. Let healing manifest in people's bodies. Let deliverance come over people who are oppressed and depressed and, and bent over by their circumstances. I declare freedom over you in the name that is above every other name. We declare freedom right now in our nation, in our city, in our state. We declare freedom. We declare Jesus Christ is Lord over our city. In Jesus' name, amen.